have a sermon God's been stirring around in my heart for a while. And I believe this week he released me to go ahead and preach this. So that's always dangerous, right? <laughs> Somebody says that. But the title of this is Get in the Game. Everybody's like, hmm, starting to ponder what in the world can that mean? Get in the game. So I want you guys to imagine for a minute that you're on the Kansas City Chiefs. Okay? For some of us, that's hard. Most of us, that's probably hard. I can't even imagine myself on the Kansas City Chiefs. You communicate with the team. You practice. You go to all the games on Sunday. However, you've never actually played in a game. How long do you think you can be happy that way? How happy have you been during this season not being able to go places? Not being able to travel and go and, and do fun stuff. Not being able to do the things that we're used to. We can kind of understand this from that perspective pretty easy, right? The Christian walk is not rocket science. I'll let that sink in for a minute. The Christian walk is not rocket science. Sometimes we think that, that the Bible is Greek, so we can't understand it. I get that about 300 years ago, you know, maybe. But today, it's, you can get it almost in Ebonics, right? You can get it in, in, in the simplest form as you want. And yet we still confuse the words, right? So first of all, I believe God wants to tell us Christianity is a contact sport. It's a contact sport. You don't grow in your walk by sitting on the bench. Any more so than you can make the Hall of Fame on the bench of the Kansas City Chiefs. Can't happen. How many of you guys have ever heard the old adage, um, now I forgot it. You don't learn unless you do. You guys ever heard that? Don't learn unless you do. Those of us that have taught, we understand there are some truths that God can't really drop into your heart and your life until you teach. When you teach others, all of a sudden God opens this up and you're like, whoa, I've never seen it that way because now I'm in the position I never thought I'd be in and oh, God's talking to me afresh and anew. He's got new things in this season of life, right? Those of us that have taught, God continues to teach us and show us things that he couldn't have before we took that step. Getting in the game. When is the last time you prayed the sinner's prayer with anyone? I went to a church one time, purposefully not using the name. A requirement for membership 
is that you led someone in the sinner's prayer that year. Why? That was their identity. They were soul seekers. They were people going out. That pastor did a great job of initiating the body to be the body. Instead of just initiating himself to lead. He initiated the body. Now, is that a great expectation to have on every single person before they can do anything in your church that they have to lead somebody to Jesus? Well, they're probably going to have to sit and learn how to lead somebody to Jesus before they can do that and some other things. But So, I can see both sides of that. But here's what I know that I learned in that season at that church. God can use you even in your ignorance. I want us to hear this this morning because there's so many fears that go into talking to people about God. God, I'm not going to have the right answer. God, I'm not going to know how to do this. I'm going to say something dumb. Hey, let me pop that bubble. You're going to say something dumb at some point in your life. But God is still God and God can still bring that around to him. I want you to hear that. It's not based on what you say. It's based on what he seeds. Okay? God seeds in people's lives. I can't place a seed in your heart. That's God. God has to place that nugget. He has to begin to water it and bring it to fruition. So we blame ourselves for so many things because we botch it. Guess what? We're going to botch it. And we're going to continue to botch it in every phase of life. That's the point of Scripture. When did the disciples stop botching things? <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> When they gave their life for Jesus, right? That's the moment they finally got it right. No. There were moments where they got it right. There were moments when they got wrong. But listen, God's will was still accomplished through all of it. Through all of it. Did Peter stop being the rock simply because he doubted God? No, he was still the rock that the church was founded on. Even though he struggled, even though God had to redeem him, God still had things to teach. Peter, when's the last time you felt the power and presence of God just saturate and build you and others up? I have to be honest with you, it just happened for me. It did. Literally, when I worshiped the Lord, Worries fade. The cares of this world. Somebody could have just told me that they ran over my dog before service. And all the cares fall off. And all of a sudden God says, I'm here, Justin. Let's talk. Guys, that's what it is. That's what worship is. It's taking that moment, taking that pause to be able to say, okay, let's get all the chaos out of the way. And now let's get our hearts and our minds focused on God. One direction. And every time we do that, there is a peace that passes all understanding. There is a flooding that comes into us from God's presence that renews and refreshes us. You guys will hear me use these words all the time to do with worship. Renew and refresh. Because the point of worship is what? To renew you and refresh you. 
to get you back to a place where your focus is laser sharp on Jesus. That's the point. To get rid of all the other stuff. Another way of saying this, and stick with me because this might come across brash when I ask this question, but I'll bring it back, okay? How do churches die? Baby. When no one believes in God? Okay. People stop relying on God? Churches got, die when the people of God do nothing. If you do nothing, guess what? Nothing happens. <laughs> it is heartbreaking to me that only 20% of churchgoers nationwide and actually worldwide actually participate in any outside church activity or actual leadership in the church. Does that figure shock you? See, we hear a percentage and it doesn't scare us. But let's put that into us. That means if we did an outreach in this community, only five or at max ten people would actually show up. Is that true of us? Those of us that have done the outreaches are saying yes. You don't have to answer because here's the point. The point today is not actually to beat us up. That's not my desire. That's not my heart. I don't want to beat us up about anything. The purpose of today is a call of action. purpose of today is allowing God to breathe new life and new purpose into our hearts for Him to ignite us and engage us. We can't change how things are on the bench. We've got to get in the game. What are you doing right now that someone else would say, not you, but someone else would say is forward action in the kingdom of God? When's the last time your husband or wife or child or somebody in your life said, man, you are red hot on fire for God? When's the last time that somebody was like, I get tired of you quoting scripture to me? We can all think of a time, right, when that happened. When did that happen? When you were doing exactly what God wanted you to do. It rubs people, and then they, they say, okay, um, what's going on? Why do you keep saying this to me? How is this happening, right? So all of a sudden we get that engagement in our hearts. Are you leading a small group are you serving at the pantry? Are you a part of a planning for our next event? Are you given towards future ministry to make ministry possible in this community? Are you praying for more of God's Spirit? Guys, there are actually so many, so many ways 
that we can begin to change things and help what God is desiring to do. Here's the big question. How do I get off the bench? Right? If I was on the Kansas City Chiefs and I wasn't able to play, I'd be like, who do I need to study from? What do I need to connect to? What do I need to learn to get off the bench? I want you guys to open your word with me. Or I believe we also have it up here. Is it in? 1 Corinthians chapter 12, starting in verse 12. Nice. The body is a unit, though it's made up of many parts, and though all its parts are many, they form one body. So it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, slave or free, and we were all given the same spirit to drink. Verse 14. Now the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Listen to this. If the foot should say, but I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body. It would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an ear, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason cease to be a part of the body. If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of hearing be? If everybody was an ear, what about the arm? Your arm would be an ear. Your foot would be an ear, right? If the whole... Oh, I read that part. If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If there were all... If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and the parts that we think are less honorable will treat with special honor. And the parts that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. While our presentable parts need no special treatment, but God has combined the members of the party of the body and has given greater honor to the parts that lack it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that is that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you're the body of Christ. And each one of you is a part of it. And in the church, God has appointed first of all apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then workers of miracles, also those having gifts of healing, those able to help others, those with gifts of administration, those speaking in different kinds of tongues, are all apostles, all our prophets, are all teachers, do all work miracles, do all have gifts of healing, do all speak in tongues. Or do all interpret? There's so much to unpack there. I can tell you 
in my life personally, this has changed over the years. And I want to let you know that that's okay. That happens. Things in our lives change over the years. And God uses us differently in different ways. But he's still using us or else we're on the bench. So how is God using us is the point. So when I was a teenager, I sang songs. I couldn't play the piano. I hadn't learned any in musical instrument yet. All I could do is sing. So when I was a kid and a teenager, what I did was sing. I realized God had given me a gift, and I used the gift that he had given me. That was the one singular gift that I knew was from God. So I used it. What did God do? The same thing that he says in the parable of the talents. What does he do to one that he gives gifts to? If you use them, what? Right. If you use them, you get even more gifts. Those that put them to practice get more. Those who don't, even the one thing that was given to them gets taken back. Is that not what the parable of talent says? That's what it says. So we have to understand when he gives us one, we have to see it. We have to plant it somewhere and allow God to start watering that. Allow God to start using that. And I'm going to tell you the first time that I tried to lead praise and worship in our youth group, we stunk. We were horrible. If I played that back to myself, I would be like, and guys, I'm not great now. I'm no, uh, what's his name? Uh, oh, I can't believe. Uh, Chris Tomlin. I'm no Chris Tomlin, okay? I get that. But even as average or, or mediocre as I may be now, I stunk then. <laughs> it was bad. We, we tried to throw two musicians and me together and just go, and it was awful. You talk about train wreck. Somebody who just learned to play the piano, somebody who just learned to play the drums, and somebody who was semi-comfortable singing in front of people. Yeah, didn't, didn't go well. But the point of that is, as I used that gift, I used to be terrified to talk in front of people. I've told you guys this before. I would literally try to talk in front of people, and I'm glad we have a big old pulpit like this because when a kid first comes up here and preaches, their little leg can shake like this, and you can't see it because this is what I was doing in my first sermon in my church. I was just like... <laughs> I wasn't walking around like I do now. I was behind here hiding, and I'm just sitting here shaking, crass, terrified. It's short. Sometimes it's still only 10 minutes. It's when God wants it to be. But here's what I want you to know. The longer you use those gifts, the more you allow God to use you, he continues to grow you, and he gives you more. I can remember in my wife, when I met her, it was all kids. Kids, kids, kids. It was all going to be about kids. Well, guess what the first thing God called us to do was? To go to a church that already had a kids pastor who said he still wanted to be a kids pastor, and they wanted us to do youth. She said, I don't do that. Didn't you? First time I came back and I said, hey, what do you think about being youth pastors? Nope. 
So my response was, um, I think you need to pray. <laughs> Here's the amazing thing. I dragged her, kicking and screaming, into this position, and she loved it. She didn't only love it, she learned to flourish in that role. We use one gift. She knew she could do kids ministry. That was comfortable. That was great. But God wanted to expand to something else. Faith? I forget that th that did happen here too. Yeah. Where she served in youth and everything else. But God raised up people who were had a heart for that. Um, fortunately, we had a void in kids, and so she jumped back in and did that. But guys, what I'm telling you is this. The more you allow God to use you, the more he will. It's that simple. The more you allow God to use you, the more he will. What holes are there to fill in our church right now? Okay? Missions team, we've talked about it. We'd like to do it. Prayer team. Men's ministry. Women's ministries. Tech and sound crew. Help be a sub for a Sunday school class when we get to do Sunday school again. Help plan our next outreach. Guys, I'm telling you right now, if the only mind we have working on outreach is mine, we're going to fail. I need your ideas. I need your gifting because, guess what? You've been here longer than me. You know what works in this community. Amen? Do you guys have a better idea of what works in this community? I would say yes. You've been here. You know. You know what people will see as a help. Help us build up a savings account. Volunteer to help Amanda in children's church. Help TJ in youth. Leader, help plan a ministry designed for our seniors. I feel like that's missing. We need something designed to connect and keep them connected. There are so many different things. Is there a lack of opportunity in our church to serve? No. Not at all. We have so many opportunities. All it takes is us getting into the game. Take a step. So what is the next step? Here's where it usually starts. Are you a member? Do you pray? Do you tithe? God will speak if you take a simple step. I'm telling you, take a simple step towards God and he'll speak. As I was writing this, as I'm doing this, God dropped into my heart a simple step to take for us, for me. I'm hoping he does the same for you. God will speak if we simply take a simple step. We're in an unprecedented time 
flowing out of all this chaos, people are ready for something new and fresh. They're hungry for it. How can we help people realize that God is that something that they want? I see everybody trying to go somewhere to get the stress out of their life. I see everybody trying to do a new thing to get life feeling back normal. I see everybody trying to attach to something new to get to feel the way that it used to. What is the only thing that is going to fulfill your life and make you feel the way you're supposed to feel? It's Jesus. Until you feel that with Jesus, you are always going to feel that longing. You're always going to fill that void. Those of us that have unsaved loved ones, why do we fill a void? Because we have unsaved loved ones. Pray. Be a prayer warrior. There are some of us that God has engaged to be prayer warriors over this church and this town and over people, and we have got to start doing that. Pray. That's where it all starts. Allow God to take that simple step and start praying. And listen here. Don't pray just about you. <laughs> this is where God's going to stretch you. Is you're going to start out saying, Lord, I wish you'd fix my husband. Lord, I wish you'd fix these people. The Lord, the attitude. I'm tired of my boss talking to me this way. And then he's going to take that and flip it and be like, God, give me a better attitude. God, teach me to serve. Teach me to work. Teach me to do the things that you've asked me to do. You know, every time I get mad and I take it to God, he says, whoop! And he flips it back and says, Justin, what are you doing? <laughs> take a step and watch me. Take a step and watch me. How can we help people realize that God is that something they need? How can we help point them in the right direction? Here's the thing, guys. I'm not meant to be God to anyone. You're not meant to be God to anyone. I think sometimes we put that weight on ourselves that we have to be God in that moment. Um, all God needs is a willing vessel to be a planter. Okay? You don't have to be the one who waters. You don't have to be the one that expects growth. You don't have to be the one that reaps the harvest. You don't have to do any of that. Somebody else down the road will probably reap a harvest for the seed you planted. I'm going to tell you, that happens. But here's the thing. All he asks us to do is be willing to plant a seed. Sometimes that's not responding the way that we want to respond. Not biting back at our husband or our wife or our kids for whatever they said. <laughs> because we told them the last week that they're not supposed to do that. Right? So if there's anything God uses to keep me in check, it's, it's my kids. So I get on to them all the time for getting upset, throwing fits, having an attitude problem, blah, blah, blah. And then the first time I yell, they're like, Daddy, you're not supposed to have an attitude problem.
so the, the, the human in me says, well, I'm allowed to make mistakes. I'm allowed to yell sometimes. I'm allowed to get upset. But then the God in me says, you're teaching them. You're showing them. If you want them to change, change yourself first. Right? Anybody else had that experience? Where God will literally flip it on you and they'll just be like, hey, you know, it happens. That's the way life works. How can we point people in the right direction? That's it, guys. That's our job. Direct them back to God. No matter where they are in life, direct them back to God. No matter how they are, direct them back to God. I had this coworker that I worked with for four years taking care of this guy. And he used to tell me all the time, he's like, how come you always use scripture? And I was like, well, do you know somewhere else to get your truth? <laughs> you know what he told me? No. You know what his first response was for that? I Google it. <laughs> I said, boy. <sighs> so, but you know what? That scripture didn't return void. Every time I use scripture... Even though it frustrated him for a while, God reaped a harvest from that. And you know what I see now? When he messages me, we no longer live near each other. When he messages me, you know what he messages me? Scripture. He is now in the Word of God and using Scripture and igniting and allowing God to use him to point others to Christ. That's the point. Listen, we can't, there are so many things we worry about. In a church setting like this, we worry about who comes, who the new families are, who the families are that have been here, that are leaving, who this is, who that is. Listen, you cannot control, I cannot control who wants to go here and who doesn't. I want you to hear this. I cannot control that, you cannot control that. We can't control the flow of that. What we can control is who we point to Jesus how we point to Jesus, what we do with that. There are so many things that we wrap ourselves into. Hang on, Faith, I'll get to you in just a second. So many things that we wrap our minds into and that we think about that we can do nothing about. We can't do anything about that. Because here's what happens. The longer people see stagnation, the longer they want out. That's reality. We know that, right? We've seen it. So, all we can do is take a step in the right direction. But you know what I've seen in God? The moment I take a step in the right direction and I say, okay, God, I'm doing this as an act of my will for you and your purpose, he always reaps a harvest. Even if it's one person, even if it's one person that I've been talking to for however many years, all of a sudden they get it. They get one little nugget. They get something. It's not always, here's what I want to prepare us for. How many churches have you gone to that went from 30 to 130 overnight? The only way that happens is curiosity. 
So I've told you guys before, when we got to town, remember this? It went from 30 to 80, like, in a couple months. And we were like, praise God, God's doing things. We're so excited when we see people. Is God still doing things now? Yes. Yes. There are people still growing, still being led to the Lord. We baptized six people two weeks ago. God is still doing things. But we don't see the numbers, so we don't see it. That's it. That's where our mind goes. Our mind goes, well, we were 80, but guess what? We sustained 80 for one month. That kind of growth is unsustainable. You're not going to go from 30 to 130 and stay there. Why? Because we weren't ready for that. We weren't. Did we have people willing and able and trained to lead different areas in order to keep those 80 people? No, we weren't ready. But you know what? We will be next time. That's the point. That's the point. It's taking a step, becoming the body, and then initiating and allowing God to use you where you're at. Because I'll tell you what I'm excited about. Flowing out of coronavirus, we've added two new families to our body. Actually happened before coronavirus. But we've got two new families coming. I'm excited about that. But you know what? It's not just about people. It's about the change I see inside of people. There's things God's doing in people's lives. He's rubbing off rough ed edges. He's doing things. But here's where it comes to. <sighs> I am one part of this body. You are one part of this body. We all have a part in the body of Christ. And any part that is not doing their part is a void that we have. Amen? So take a step. As I was doing this, as I was preparing this, I said, okay, God, I'm going to ask people to take a step. What's my step? I got to take a step. So I took a step. You don't got to tell me your step because I'm not telling you my step. But I took a step. Why did I take a step? Because God asked me to. He stirred it in my heart. So here's what I'm going to ask you. Whether it's prayer, if you've not prayed before, whether it's tithe, if you've not tithed before, whether it's getting more involved in planning for missions, whether it's getting involved as a volunteer in kids or youth, whether it's getting involved in saying, hey, I can sub for a, for a, uh, for a Sunday school class, whether it is literally saying, hey, I've never even thought about being a member of a church before. I need to get membership. Whatever it is, guys, take a step. Try to take a step. Do something different for God than you've tried to do before. And watch over the next month how he begins to plant and grow because of your step. Watch. Watch. Lord Jesus, I just thank you, Father God. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you have placed every person who's here, here with a purpose. God, that we are your body. It's bigger than just this building even, Lord. We are your body as Christians in this nation. Lord, our nation and our world needs 
a body that's hearing from you. Lord, during this time, I believe people are longing and waiting to see the real church stand up. Lord, would you help us to be that for our families? Would you help us to be that for the city of Brookfield? Would you help us to be that for this nation? Lord, you can lead a charge starting today in the nation of the United States, even with the few of us that are here today, God, if we would simply take a step. Lord, we could be on the forefront of that charge. God, that happens. You took 12 men and you changed the world. You can take the few of us and do the same. So, Lord, I lay down my hopes and dreams, my desires at your feet again. And I say, Lord, help us, each of us, to take a step toward you. And, God, I pray right now, Lord, that there's not a single person that takes a step that, God, you don't hear and show them you're real. Show them what you're doing in their life. Show them that the one step that they've taken, now you want them to take another, and you want to show them, God, that they can be a vital part of the body of Christ. Lord, I thank you. I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.